and two strikes. Here's the stretch. The one-two pitch. Swing a hard ground ball. Base hit. Base hit. Down the left field line. Crux scores. Bills win. Four to three on the RBI hit by Kim Batiste. Primo off the bench. is onside. Primo moves deep with it. Stops. The shot. Welcome back to the Water Boys podcast. It is Thursday afternoon here on June fifteenth, right? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. So yeah. mini camp just ended for the Eagles. I'm here with Ryan. We're just going to jump right into it because we have a short amount of time dedication here during lunch today. But uh, let's jump into it. So Eagles, big news: Jason Peters signed to a one year extension. The way the money works out, he's getting more guaranteed money. How do you feel about it, Ryan? I love it. Now he's going to retire an Eagle. I mean, it means that we have to wait a little bit longer for Lane Johnson to slide over. But if you have Lane Johnson as your right tackle and Jason Peters as your left tackle, the next two, what is it, three years now? I mean, that's your your offensive line has a foundation that that Wentz is going to be protected from the outside. Yeah, and uh, a lot of the talk is that Peters might actually be moved to left guard starting not this season, but maybe the season after this, the 2018 campaign. Uh, so yeah, what do you think that of that? Talk, do you think that's that's smart or leave him out of left tackle or what? I mean, as a right, I mean, he's still, we just talked about this last time. I think he was ranked the top five left tackle last year. Yeah, six, I think. Yeah. It was yeah. six. So, I mean, if he keeps putting up those numbers, I don't see why you would mess with it. But if, I mean, he could, like, he's going to get older. So, I mean, I could, I could understand why they do it. Because if you have a left guard of Jason Peters and a left tackle of Lane Johnson, uh, the left side of your offensive line is going to be dominant. So, I understand yeah. where they're coming from. I haven't heard that. I completely missed that. But, I mean, I, I could see, that left, like, like I said, LeGarrette running behind the left side of that offensive line would be unreal. Yeah, and uh, you know the big thing for Peters is he's always been a good run blocker as well as a pass protector too. So that's where the whole left guard part comes in, because um, you know a lot to a lot more to do with uh, run blocking at that left guard position. So he'd fit in fine there. Uh, you know, Jason Peters, he's he's not getting old. He's already old. Uh, he's that's he's true. an he's an outlier for how well he's playing at this age. I remember looking back. I think it was before even the 2015 season. Uh, there was a stat that came out when Grandland uh, was still around, uh, or an article that came out, and it showed really the drop-off around the age that Peters was at that time. 
and he's still playing, you know, top notch left guard, top top six in the league according to Pro Football Focus. So yeah, yeah, left, left tackle. tackle. Uh, yeah. So you know that that drop off's gonna come at some point with age. It does for everyone. So I think they're gonna try to milk this last year out, and I think that might be smart to move him to left guard after that. And he's happy. He's got the guaranteed money. He's gonna retire as an Eagle. So. I think they handled it pretty well if they wanted to keep him around and play him at that left guard position. So I feel like they handled the whole situation pretty well. Uh, one I other love thing. How much, Sorry, going go off that, I love how much respect that they have for Jason Peters. The day he says that he wants a contract extension, like he gets out in the news, within 24 hours, that man has a contract extension. Yeah. It's like there's no, mess, there's no messing around with him. Yeah, and uh, he, he's been a team leader for a while. He always protects his quarterbacks. I, I tweeted out that gif of him coming out of nowhere in that Redskins fight when Foles got blindsided. Uh, so he's just always been there, you know, protecting his quarterbacks in more ways than one. I saw someone on Twitter saying, you know, he he, chi- he quit on Chip Kelly at the end of his tenure and was always walking off the field. Like, look, everyone quit on Chip Kelly at the end of his tenure. It wasn't wasn't just Jason was, Peters. Let's let's not just single him He was playing a hundred plays a game. Like he was, he was exhausted by the end of that. Yeah, and as I was saying, he was old at that time too. So yeah. I don't blame him one bit for walking off. Uh, they they interviewed Peters today actually before minicamp, and he was saying that one of the reasons he stayed as well is because he thinks that the Eagles are a Super Bowl contender right now. So what do you think of that? Do you think there's truth to it or? Do you think that's just him saying what he has to say, uh, you know, being a player on the team? I mean, it might be something he has to say, but even even so, as the leader of that locker room, I know it's like his team, and like we talked about last year, George, well, last week, Jordan Hicks, but, I mean, Peters is a guy that everyone will look up to. So even if it's just talk from him, I think he does believe it, because if not, I mean, he could, he could ask to be traded if he really wanted to, to go to a contender. Or something like I think he truly believes it, just especially with all the weapons. Not, I, mean, I shouldn't say all the weapons, but with Alshon Jeffrey now at wide receiver, your weakest position, one of your weakest positions last year, you bring in guys. Uh, and like we said, the cornerback is now the biggest, biggest hole. But I mean, they're, they're building, and I, I don't know if next year they're going to be a Super Bowl contender, even if he says they are. I, I hope he's right. But I, I don't think they're far off. I don't think it's that crazy to say as we sit in Philadelphia and think about like, the Eagles in a Super Bowl, but I think it is possible. I think it could happen within the next two to three years. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. You know, I'm I'm certainly not coming out and predicting that the Eagles are going to win a Super Bowl by any stretch of the imagination. But if if we look at this defense and it dominates like we say it can, and we kind of expect it to, you know, and the offense takes that step forward, there's no reason that this team can't be a playoff team. And if you make the playoffs, in my mind, you're a Super Bowl contender because you always had that shot to. Go on a run, uh, you know, just like that Ravens team a few years ago. Uh, you know, cross sports, go into the Warriors back three years. Nobody really expected them to win the championship that year, but things broke their way. The Cavs faced some injuries. Uh, the Warriors made some upsets, and, you know, earlier than expected, they were NBA champions. So, Or even know, just like this, this last year, or like a week ago with the Nashville Predators. They didn't win at yeah. all. They came in at the very last seed in the Western Conference and made it all the way to the finals and came up just short. But like you said, once you get in, especially when you have a defensive line that should be as good as them, that anything is possible once you get into the playoffs. Yeah, and it's it's hard to cross-examine sports and make cross-comparisons, but I think that's just a general one that you can make. Right. Is, 
once you're in, anything can happen, and you can make a run and get hot at the right time. So, uh, you know, certainly a far way away, but the Eagles, I agree with Peters, can can be a contender, and I, I wouldn't be that overly shocked if they were this year. So, uh, you know, good on Peters to say that's the reason why he wanted to stay, and definitely a confidence booster for the team, and, you know, just keeping a strong leader around in the locker room for at least an extra year now. So he'll be here for the next three seasons. Uh, some other topics that happened over at minicamp this week. Uh, Wentz had probably his best day at training camp, according to a lot of the reports. He hit it, uh, Nelson Aguilar for two long touchdowns that were seemingly back-to-back, about 50-yard bombs, and he just looked sharp. Uh, you know, from what everyone was saying. So, do you were you concerned that people were saying that he wasn't looking sharp leading up to, uh, you know, this mini camp? And is it encouraging for you to see him, you know, put together that finally that sharp practice? Or are you not too concerned about it? I'm not too concerned right now. I mean, I'm happy. I'm I'm, I'm pleasantly happy that they said he looked great. So I mean, that means something. But I mean, honestly, until they until training camp comes around, uh, that's when I'll, I'll I'll be more focused on him. We know what Wentz can do. Yeah, he had an up and down year, but we've seen his arm. We've seen what he can do in the pocket, on the run. Like, I'm not worried about him. I'm more just concerned about him building a rapport with the new wide receivers. And it sounds like from I mean, I, I'm still not on the Nelson Aguilar train at all. But everyone still keeps talking that he's more explosive. He's better. He He's not dropping passes this year, unlike Shelton Gibson, who can't catch a ball. Yeah. But, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not, too, I'm not really worried about it at this point. I'm just, I'm just excited, and I just can't wait till training camp. Yeah, and this is the time of year where if you're trying to work out kinks and work on your fundamentals, this is the time to do it because you're not in training camp yet. Uh, and you know, as you said, you're, you're trying to get on the same page with new wide receivers, and you know, you got Pumphrey running around back there too, trying to get on the same page. Uh, with him in the slot, apparently he's been doing really well, and the Eagles love him so far, and that's encouraging. But you know, I'm I'm not too worried about Wentz not looking great, you know, over these OTAs and, and until that second mini camp practice. You know, it's just just something that I'm not not too overly concerned with right now. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not as high on Wentz as other people after his rookie season, but again, just just not too worried about it now. So. Uh, some other players that, that have had good camps, uh, Aaron Grimes apparently has been playing pretty well. He, he slipped into the nickel, uh, first-team nickel package today, so he could be their go-to guy there uh, in, in uh, that, that nickel formation and play in the slot. So that's encouraging. Nathan Jerry, or Gary, however you say it, apparently had a good practice today as well. He had a pick six. And then on the very next play, almost had another one, but just dropped the interception. So it seems like he is switching over to the linebacker role pretty well. And then Jalen Mills had a very good mini camp, uh, according to a lot of reporters. He had a pick six the other day where he just jumped the route and, and took it to the house pretty much from goal line to goal line. So is there anyone that you're excited to hear has been playing well? Well, I think the biggest one is the one you just touched on on the end was Jalen Mills. Uh, that's, they're going to need someone in that cornerback position to step up, like we've talked about, and try to sh- just contain the top receivers in this division. And going further off that uh, pick six, I forget who said it. I saw it on Twitter. Supposedly he called it right before yeah. that play that he was going to he was going to take it to the house, and he did. So I mean, 
obviously that doesn't mean anything, but I think it's just pretty cool that that he actually called that. But as long as if he can catch the ball, knock it down, do whatever the hell he can, keep keep them from keep OBJ, Des Bryant, Terrell Pryor from catching the ball. I mean, that's the big that's their biggest need, like we talked about. And if Jalen Mills can start can start showing that he's a dominant corner, dominant is probably too strong of a word right now. But I mean, the team's gonna be that much better. Yeah, for sure. And uh, he he's always had the swagger, and if he can add the the talent to that, uh, he could definitely be a fan favorite here in Philly pretty quickly. And I I agree, that's the most encouraging sign that your people who have been pointing to him to be the number one cornerback this year apparently stepped up so far. So that's encouraging. We'll see. You know, if all these guys can keep it together when they finally get into pads at training camp and when we see them in live action in the preseason and see if they can uh, keep this momentum going and fulfill Peter's uh, prediction that they could be a Super Bowl contender. So we'll see how that goes. Are you going to get a Jalen Mills jersey? Uh, No, not right now. You already have McLeod. That's true. I do have McLeod, but McLeod is uh, a top 10 safety in the league. We'll we'll see if Jalen Mills ever reaches that height. All right, just checking. All right, let's uh, let's switch paces here over to the Sixers. So we got the NBA draft coming up next week, and the Sixers are currently sitting at the three spot. So, you know, all of the mock dra- drafts right now have them taking Josh Jackson, but there's some more rumors that the Lakers might not be taking Ball at two and they might be taking Jackson. So let's run into that scenario where the Lakers don't take Ball and let's say they take Jackson and the Sixers are sitting there at three. What do you want them to do? Oh, I've thought about a lot about this, Pat. Uh, I, I, I would just take. I would be. In, I would. I think honestly, I'd be in heaven. I want Lonzo Ball. I know it's not a popular. Really? I mean, it probably is a popular pick. That, but I, I mean, they need a point guard. That's him and Fultz are the two guys I've wanted since the since this season started. Since we started tanking after January again, those are the two guys I wanted. I would be thrilled if Lonzo Ball fell to three. Really, you're that excited for him to come to Philly? I mean, Levar, I'm not excited for Lavar. Yeah, but but I mean, I'd be excited for Lonzo. You know, we might have to chip in and buy a buy a pair of shoes between the two of us. I don't think we can afford it on our own. Yes. Uh, we're not big enough ballers, but yeah, I'd be I would be ecstatic if Lonzo Ball was in the Sixers uniform by the end of next week. Uh, I'm going to disagree. I do not <laughs> want Lonzo Ball in a Sixers uniform. Uh, I don't. I don't want him handling the ball. I want the ball in Simmons' hand as much as possible. Uh, and I, I, I want someone else there that Simmons can distribute the ball to. And that's that's why if this scenario came up, I would want the Sixers to trade that number three pick back. And if it's possible, and the Kings want to do it, and they want to jump up to three and get Ball then I want them to to get that fifth pick and the tenth pick. And I, I think that makes the most sense out of any team for the Sixers to do that, you know, out of them, the Celtics, and the Lakers to to move back there because they, they can still get Malik Monk at five, and he seems like the best fit for them. He's the person on the board that can shoot the best. And then, you know, they're getting somebody else at ten there that, you know, will probably be a 50-50 toss-up if, if they'll be able to be a contributor to this team. So... I think that's the wisest move for them is to move back at Monk and then take somebody else at that 10 spot uh, as opposed to taking Lonzo Ball. Well, I, th- I would agree with that, Pat. I thought we were just talking about Lonzo there. Like, if, if we were to stay put at three and Lonzo fell, I would be happy as can be. But, no, I think if, if the Kings are serious and willing to trade five and ten to move up to get Darren Fox or De'Aaron Fox, 
I mean, I don't know how the Sixers pass that up. Um, like you said, because most likely if they were to do that, then you still, their target would probably be, like you said, Malik Monk. But even if the Kings are lying to him and they take Monk, then you still have Jackson and Tatum that will be available. And as a consolation prize at the number fifth pick, I would be happy. I mean, if Fultz, Ball, Josh Jackson, Tatum, and Monk are going to be your top five. So if you only fall back to five, you're going to get one of those guys. And like you said, at 10, I mean, I don't think Dennis Smith is going to drop that far. I don't think he gets past the Knicks. But, I mean, crazier things have happened. And if he were to fall to 10 and you somehow got Monk and Dennis Smith, I mean, that would be the perfect draft. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Jonathan Isaac's always there as well uh, from Florida True. State, big guy. Um, those those eight that we've mentioned so far really seem like the eight that the Sixers will be, will be gunning for. Um, I don't see them going for – Anyone like Collins or Justin Jackson or Markinen or anything like that. So no. that really seems like your eight. I've seen some. I've seen some mock drafts that have the Sixers taken De'Aaron Fox, and I'm not too excited about that. Um, I, I I really want them to trade back. I, I think they can get the man they want, Monk at five, and then just another coin flip at ten. And as you said, if they have to settle um, and get get Tatum or Jackson at that point. Uh, then that that's completely fine with me. You're still getting somebody that could be a top three in in a different draft, and then you're still getting that number ten pick. So, I think that that's the route to go. Going off that, do you think? Um, oh my god! Oh, I didn't realize this the other day because you were just talking about the Aaron Fox for the Sixers. Did you realize he's taller than Malik Monk? The Aaron Fox. Yeah, supposedly I've, I've read that he's six four and Monk is only six three. Uh, I did not know that, but all all that I really care about is that Monk can shoot the basketball better than De'Aaron. I thought I thought Monk was taller than that. <laughs> I'm like, not sure. Of, I thought he was too. I thought he was like six five. I mean, I'm just going like I'm on a little bit of a tangent here, but I remember reading that. I was in complete shock that he's only six three. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, that was just random thought that popped into my head that I forgot about. So again, yeah, if you can shoot. Uh, don't don't really care how tall he is, but uh, yeah. more uh, more NBA draft talk. So there is one Philadelphia product that looks like he's going to get drafted, and that is Josh Harden. He looks like he's going to be going around the mid thirties to mid forties somewhere in there. And you know, National Player of the Year, pretty much runner up to Frank Mason. He's somebody that could probably contribute to a team right away. He's doesn't have as high as a ceiling as other people, but he can be a contributor. He can be a bench guy. Uh, he can play a lot of different positions with his length. So I think that he could be a good contributor. Do you do you see the Sixers having any interest in Hart? I mean, I, I think so because I mean, he was what he played in college, pretty much the two slash three. Yeah, he was pretty much a shooting guard, and yeah. So pretty, I mean, that's what I mean. Anytime the Sixers are on on the board or up to pick, and there's a shooting guard available. Uh, I prefer someone, honestly, like we talked about, who can shoot more. Josh Hart, I mean, he's not a bad shooter by any means, but he's more of, I feel like, a slasher, get to the basket. That's what his strengths are. I mean, you watch Nova a lot more than I do. But in, uh, in the times I watch him, I feel like that those are his strengths. So, I mean, I'm still, I'm still in the mindset I want to add, like you said, just shooters around Simmons and Embiid. But, I mean, in the second round, I don't think it would be a bad pick at all if, uh, if, they, go, if they come away with Josh Hart. Yeah, and uh, 
You're you're absolutely right. He was more of a slasher, but he he really did improve on his shooting throughout his time with Villanova. So uh, he he can shoot the basketball. He can he can shoot threes and really improve that during his career. His biggest downfall is probably sometimes when he drives to the basket, he really doesn't have an out. So he'll be going to the basket and gets too deep in there and doesn't have any outlet pass to make, and he gets stuck there and will turn the ball over or just throw up a bad shot. So that's probably his biggest weakness that he needs to work on, but he probably won't be doing as much ball handling in the NBA and won't run into that situation nearly as much. So he can certainly be a contributor, and it would be great to see you know the local uh, Radnor Township product come to Philadelphia and play for the 76ers. Uh, and another person that I think could fit in well with them, and I'm, I'm really big on is Caleb Swanigan to kind of stick with these second-round picks here. Uh, he was really a beast at Purdue for them and really led the team and was a, another player of the year, uh, you know, top runner-up there behind Frank Mason. So I think that he could be a beast and could be a really diamond in the rough in the second round there. So is there anyone else that sticks out for you, or do you agree with Caleb Swanigan? I agree with Kev Swanigan. I'm actually um because he was came out as a junior, right? I was pretty surprised he didn't go back for a senior sophomore. year. I was a sophomore. Wow, I thought he was a junior. Yeah, I was pretty surprised he didn't go back, but because especially like you said, he is projected in the second round. Um, the one other guy, I mean, just from reading stuff about second round picks, is uh, the guy from South Carolina, Darius Thornwell. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. He's a. I mean, he's a big shooting guard. Um, not big as in he's like. I think I was just looking up his stat or his um, his height and weight is six five two fourteen. So I mean he's a big dude. I just remember watching him during the tournament, and I, I I honestly never even heard of him before then. But from everything I read, I mean he's a big shooting guard. He averaged like twenty points a game in college, twenty point seven boards. So I mean that in the second round, I think he would be a good shooting guard. Him or Hart would be my two for shooting guard in the second round. Yeah, one other shooting guard we got to throw in there is Dwayne Bacon from Florida State. Uh, he mm-hmm. he was really good for them, and just for some whatever reason, I got to watch a lot of Florida State basketball this year, and he really seemed like that team leader. And, you know, I mentioned um, Jonathan Isaac already, and he was a big piece of that Florida State team as well. But Dwayne Bacon was really kind of that, that leader, it felt like, and that guy when you needed a bucket, you were giving it to Bacon, and, a lot of times he delivered, he could shoot, he could get to the rack. So he, he seems like somebody that could fit in well and uh, could could be another person that really contributes more than you would expect from a second-round pick. But obviously don't want to look too much into these second-round picks here because a lot of times they turn out to be nothing. And even though they play well in college, you know, that doesn't translate to the NBA. But just to point out a couple guys there, yeah, I kind of agree between Hart, Bacon, and uh, – Thornwell as well, who plays really good defense and uh, is just another attribute for him. Uh, could be key contributors if if they land one of those Sixers picks in the second round. Do you uh, do you hold it against the Florida State guys at all for losing to Temple this year? Yeah, I actually do. Like the fact that they they lost to Temple is absolutely embarrassing, and it, it makes me like not want to be in on them. But I, I still am because they're they're good players and. It is a team sport, so but that, that's definitely like, holding that against them for losing to that that pitiful, pitiful Temple team. Like and, a team with this much talent, I mean, a, top, a guy that's going to go in the top ten and like, I, how the hell did that happen? But yeah, yeah that's just 
just wondering if you hold, hold that hold that against them at all. And it, it's not even the fact that they lost the Temple. It's the fact that they blew, like, an 18-point lead, too, uh, which is just – how do you let that happen? But Lack of leadership right there. Just yeah. said it. Uh, well, anyways, uh, let, let's move on from reliving those Temple – Temple games from November over Thanksgiving break. And uh, let's transition to the team that is currently in sport, and that is the Philadelphia Phillies. I was able to get to the game last night, and I've been watching the last couple of nights since they've been playing the Red Sox, and they, they haven't played that poorly. They took the Red Sox to extra innings the first two nights. The first night they blew a 4 to nothing lead and then a 5-4 to four lead and ended up losing on a Dustin Pedroia walk-off base hit, and then... Uh, in, a, in more of a pitcher's duel on Tuesday night, they ended up losing on an Andrew Benatendi uh, ground rule single. It turned out to be an extra innings as well, and a low-scoring affair. And then last night, man, Jeremy Hellickson, he, he really struggles, and he really lit it up in that first month of April and was pitching well. Uh, and me and you talked about that back then, but he, you know, his ERA is just under five right now. And he really struggled last night. He gave up five runs in the first two innings and really never seemed to gain control of that game. So what do you think of Hellickson and his struggles and really his fall from grace over the last month and a half? Uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's not, I wouldn't say it's expected, but that month of April was, was that was unexpected. Yeah. I, I, I knew he was going to be the ace of the staff, loose term ace. That's, that's what he is, unfortunately. But the, the biggest disappointment I see from his falling grace, falling from grace, is pretty much just his trade value keeps dwindling. Like a team's not going to want a guy that, that at the deadline they're looking for starters that are hot or can help them in the postseason. I couldn't imagine pitching Jeremy Hellickson in the postseason right now. Yeah. So I mean, what is, what team is going to want him come July thirty first? A team would have to be really desperate to to trade for him and really be injury riddled. Maybe like. The Astros staff is right now, but even that, you know, who, like you said, who would want Hellickson and who would want them, want him pitching for them in a big game, whether that's to get into the playoffs or if you're in the playoffs, it's just seems like something that people don't want. That that seems like a recurring theme for the Phillies is the fact that they don't really have anyone that they can trade at the deadline right now. Uh, you know, maybe Howie Kendrick, who uh, is really playing well and uh, had had at least one hit last night from. What I remember, um, but other than that, not not too many people to deal and get prospects right now. The only other guy that is going to be traded, like there's no way he's not, and if they don't, it's ridiculous. But it's Pat Neshack. Uh, he's a he's a pitcher out of the bullpen. Honestly, Pat, you probably don't know much about him, but he, he has a point seven five ERA this year in twenty four innings, and he's been absolutely dominant and the only bullpen guy that's been good at all. So I will be absolutely thirty like six years old or something like that, there's there's zero chance he has not moved before the deadline. Yeah, and uh, at the game last night there, there was a pretty good crowd, actually, and most of them actually stuck around to see if Mookie Betts was going to hit for the cycle, and then he ended up hitting his second home run of the game, and people started to leave in droves after that because uh, I guess they just wanted to see history. But uh, a lot of people emptied out by the ninth inning, and the, the, the Phillies' offense is just – brutal to watch I mean the the Red Sox made a lot of great defensive plays last night but I never really felt like the Phillies were threatening in that game at all the only time was 
in that third inning when Brian Johnson, uh, the pitcher for the Red Sox, he gave up a run and then he gave up a two-run home run to Altair and then he gave up a, a wall ball double and I was kind of thinking what's going on here and then you know the trainer came out and they took him out of the game. He, he left with a shoulder injury uh, and that, that kind of explained everything and the Phillies never really threatened again after that. They had two base runners on in the eighth but uh, Cameron Rupp was up and he, he quickly struck out and that, that was the end of that threat and between that and the Betts home run, people people you know emptied out after that, and it was basically 50% of the crowd there. So uh, it, is, it is kind of a sad sight because I, I do like going to Phillies games in the summer, and it's a great place to hang out between you know just never a bad seat in the house really, and being able to go to McFadden's. But you know it's just just kind of a pitiful sight you know with that Phillies baseball team right now. Yeah, there's nothing good about. I mean, Aaron Alther. Altair, excuse me, or however you say it. Altair. He's Altair, yeah. I don't know why I can say that. Um, I mean, his, his uh, double play last night. Yeah, that was, pretty, that was a big play, too. That was pretty something special, but I mean, like you said, there's not much to look forward to. Uh, everyone keeps calling for Scott Kingery to come up. Like we've talked about, there's no reason to bring him up. I understand the injury to Hernandez. But the kid is locked in right now in Double A. Why mess with him? Like you bring him up, and all of a sudden he goes into a slump. You could just hurt his hurt his mental confidence. Like just leave him down there. He is completely locked in. If anything, you just move him up to Triple A. You do not move him all the way up to the majors. Um, people just overreact, overreacting. It's not worth it this time. But like you said, they're absolutely they're awful. What is it a ten in a row they lost now? Is that what it is? Nine, ten. I think it might be nine. I think they lost nine right now coming into this. I'm just predicting they've lost the last three to the Red Sox, and then tonight the Red Sox will try to complete the four-game sweep of the Philadelphia Phillies between this, uh, you know, two and two home and away series that they do, which is uh, which is pretty cool actually. I do like when they do these. Um, you, Did you say you were? Are you going again tonight? Did you say that? Yeah, I'll be there tonight. I'll be I'll be behind the Phillies dugout, so you can look for me. Maybe maybe I'll get on TV. Um, but you, you know, can put a Phillies, sign up. The Waterboys. Yeah, the Phillies. Uh, twenty one and forty three right now. Three twenty eight winning percentage. Seventeen and a half games back of the Nationals. Uh, the the only funny thing that happened last night was there was an older guy down, you know, right behind the Phillies dugout. He had a sign. And it said the award for falling fall from grace from GM the first base award, and that was for <laughs> Ruben Amaro Jr. and and his return to Philadelphia. And I gotta say the the Ruben Tomorrow Jr. nickname is like an all time nickname in sports. Very underrated. Yeah, I, I honestly forgot he returned. I was reading those articles. Uh, what a just to bring you back to all the memories of 2010. 11 and how far this team has come under that guy's watch it's just it's not all his fault all of it but god he just drove this team into the ground yeah and uh i was gonna i was trying to look up right now if uh howie kendrick was anywhere near the top for a batting title but i guess he doesn't even have the amount of bats that you need to compete right Probably now not. so yeah, maybe maybe when he gets there, though, that'll be something for Phillies fans to watch this summer. Because uh, you know, double Herrera double. Did, did he hit any doubles yeah. last night? Uh, I don't think he did. Uh, oh. I can't I can't remember correctly, but they only had six hits, and I don't think 
a double of his were any of them. So the the Odubel double watch and the Howie Kendrick at bat slash average watch is what Phillies fans have going for them for the rest of the season right now. <laughs> All right, anything uh, else you want to touch on today? I mean, the only other thing that positive for the Phillies was their first round draft pick. Um, Adam Helsley, I believe is how you say, out of Virginia. That's something Phillies fans can look forward to. Uh, I mean, I watch a lot of ACC baseball down here in South Carolina, and the kid's a stud. Uh, I mean, he pitched and played center field for Virginia. But, I mean, the Phillies have already told him he's only going to be a center fielder. But for people that may not know, Virginia has one of the biggest ballparks in the country. And the kid hit, I think it was like 19, or what is it? He hit 14 home runs and had 56 RBIs this year, batting 390. Um, so I think he's going to be he's going to be special. I think he's probably going to be up here. Some, not obviously not this year at all, but I think he'll be up before the end of next season. I think he'll be quick through the minors. Yeah, definitely something to uh, look forward to. And who, who was the kid they got last year? Moniac? Mickey Moniac. They're supposedly like the same player, just Moniac. Obviously, was drafted out of high school. So their hope is both of them. They're both center fielders, but both of them should. I mean, Moniac's still probably four years away, but. Healthy coming up here in the next year, that those two could be a foundation in the outfield for, for a little bit to come. Yeah, trying to relive the glory days of Doug Glanville and Ron Gann out there, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, one other thing I did want to mention, not really any of the sports that we talk about related, but there is an amateur golfer, uh, Chris Chapman, I think it was, who is playing in the U.S. Open. Uh, and he Golfed at Drexel and is actually an assistant coach there now. He just graduated this year uh, because his eligibility was up, so he couldn't play anymore. But he, this is actually his second U.S. Open, and there was a feature on him in the kind of the, the pregame show that they do for the U.S. Open, and he got to go through a practice round with Spieth and Strickler and uh, Ernie Ells, actually. Uh, so, or I'm sorry, Jim Furyk, not Ells. So a couple, pretty cool that he, you know, gets to practice with those guys and gets to participate in the U.S. Open. It's actually Chris Crawford, not Chapman. So Chris Crawford, last I checked, he was plus two, two over. Uh, so not not too awful of a start, but we'll see if he can hang around. Um, and definitely someone to root for and to keep your eye on. Anything else? No, Pat, I think we've said it all. I mean, the only other thing in sports, McGregor, Mayweather coming August 26th, but it has nothing to do with Philly sports or anything. But Yeah, who gives thing. a shit? Mayweather's going to kill him. But, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he's going to. All right, well, All right. that will do it for this edition, and we'll be back next week.